Well, good morning. It's, uh, it's good to be back. Our family's been away for uh, about eight, nine days. We went away last week, and then we got back just in time for a vacation Bible school and uh, lost about 12 pounds this week. It was a good thing. It was a great time of just watching the kids have a blast together and celebrate together, learn together, worship together, run together, play together. Uh, just a great week uh, of time watching the Lord move in the children's lives, too. And uh, so we were away in... Uh, Colorado, it was hard. It was like 115 here, heat index. It was like 70 there, and it was hard. So we got to Colorado Springs. I'm telling you, 95 feels like 65. There's no humidity out there. So we had a great week of just relaxing together. I've got some pictures on my phone. I should have thrown them up here. Just this monster mule deer. Okay, I'm out there at 6 in the morning sitting on the back patio. Monster mule deer comes out. And about five yards away from me, big drop time. For those of you who are hunters, you're like, no way. For the rest of you, you're like, what? Whatever. Monster rack on this thing. And then the next buck, and then the next buck. And there were four bucks milling around right in front of me. And that was like a daily occurrence there. That was their thing to go eat all the, all the shrubs. So I got to watch that happen. But uh, it was just a great time. We went up uh, whitewater rafting. We went out hiking. We went up peak to Pikes Peak. That was a bit terrifying, but it was a good time. We went uh, to Winter Park. We just had a great time relaxing as a family. And then at the end of the week, we were in Denver, and I preached at Harvest Denver last week. So I just had a great time to meet up with them. And uh, things are going great there. Uh, the church is running between 2 and 250, and um, even over the summers, which is a big deal when you got the mountains and the weather and all the rest. And uh, it's been neat to really get together with them. We uh, rallied 19 or so from this area on Saturday night and did a big dinner together. And just a thank you to them for uh, all that was going on. And and appreciating what's happening. Be praying for them, too. There's a lot of transitions coming up. There's somebody they're hiring coming on staff in the fall here, and he's going to be helping out with adult ministries, and there's just some other adjustments that are going to be taking place throughout the year, and be praying for that. There's a a lot that goes on in church, and, and Jeff said it well last week. He said, I loved the first year. It was exciting. I'm almost more excited about the launch of this September as we get a full ministry year under our belts and we see what God's really going to do with the hearts and lives of people. So be praying for that place. It was really neat to see God working there, and um, I brought a, a message that I had preached a couple weeks ago, the one where we went through Revelation 4 and 5 and talked about what power worship is and what worship is going on in heaven, and we talked about that there, and it was a great launch for that as they're getting ready for a worshipful year before the Lord. So just a little update for you. We had a blast doing it. We appreciate that um, we have such strong staff here and a strong body here that while we're away, we can just relax and know things are well taken care of and you guys are uh, ministering and worshiping powerfully. So today we're actually going to cover a topic that has to do with the church. I mean, we're talking about Harvest Denver and we're talking about the planting. And I got to tell you, I started the spring trying to figure out what I'd preach over the summer here in the two different times I was going to preach. And this topic is, it's, uh, well, I named it Why the Church. And it's probably a terrible name. I think maybe a better name is more like, so what should my attitude be about the church? And what should it look like for me to be involved in the church? And those are the kinds of questions we're going to be answering today. In fact, we're going to answer them with, Three prayers. That's the three points, is the three prayers that we should be praying about the church, okay? So we're going to be in Acts chapter 14, uh, verse 19 is where we're starting. We'll go through early chapter 15 there. We've got the ushers coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand and they'll get one to you, okay? Just raise your hand, they'll get a Bible to you. Acts chapter 14, verse 19. 
Our first attitude, our first prayer about the church. Lord, help me love you and your church sacrificially. Lord, help me love you and your church sacrificially. You know, before we jump in here again, we'd say this every time as we get started, we got to make sure we know context, right? We're jumping in on Acts chapter 14. What's taking place? Let's make sure we know that. So here's a little backdrop to Acts chapter 14. We're in the middle of the first missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas are traveling together. There's some things that are going on that are, well, they're unique. They haven't experienced them before. And they're really trusting God for all that's taking place. You know, Paul and Barnabas, they they had gone to Antioch and Iconium. They had been speaking there very boldly about who Christ was and sharing their trust in him and what it means to trust in him. That there is no hope of knowing God Almighty without knowing the one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and him crucified. They preached it with absolutely no apology and with a lot of authority. And so the Jews took some, well, they basically were very ticked off. And so they kicked them out of Antioch and Iconium. They removed them from there. They said, no, you're not going to be preaching that here. They moved on from high resistance, and they went to the next town. And in that next town, the same thing is going to be happening. We also have these Jews from before that are not forgetting what took place. And now we pick it up in Acts chapter 14, verse 19. It says, but the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. They basically were standing over here in these towns saying, enough of that message. Get out of here. And then Paul leaves, and they're like, finally. And then word gets back to him. By the way, he went to the town next door. And they're like, no way. Does he not understand what I'm talking about? So they come over to this town and they all rally together and they begin to say things like they're saying that a man was God. He deserves to be blasphemed and killed, right? That is ridiculous. Take this man's life. And now in the beginning, they're like, I don't know if I really agree with that. I mean, he's done miracles. There's been some healings. This sounds like very authoritative preaching. And the Jews just keep talking. Notice it says they persuaded them. It's not that they just threw a suggestion out there and these guys followed. They continued to talk until they got them to bend. And they got them to bend so far that they got them to pick up stones and throw them at him. Throwing so many of them that they knocked him down, bruised him, bloodied him. In fact, he was knocked out apparently. He looked dead to them. So they dragged him out of the city, dropped him there. And then went on their way. We've done our job for God, was their thought. Completely mistaken. The Jews brought it to Paul. You know, we might want to notice that Paul had a, uh, well, a rather sacrificial heart towards Jesus Christ and the church. How many of us would say, for Jesus Christ and the church, I don't even want to be talked ill of. I don't want anybody looking at me the wrong way. I... I don't want anybody saying, that guy's a nutcase. What's he thinking about? Paul was willing to stand in there, even to the point of stoning, even to the point of being mistaken for dead. A call that we have through him modeling is our willingness to love Jesus Christ and to love him sacrificially, to love his bride, the church, 
sacrificially and to be in there for them and for him. Notice it says right after it, verse 20, but when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. I love this part. Like the author, Luke, doesn't even really take much time. Just so you know, the disciples gathered around and he rose up. Now, this would have been a great moment for, and when the disciples gathered around, the darkness came upon and the powers of God moved. And you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, he rose up. It happened. So what? That's what happened all the time. Are you kidding me? Where God works, there is unbelievable miracles. So he was left for dead. We got around him. The guy just stood up. I'm just telling you, God's working. And he stood up and he did more than that. Now, what would you and I do? We were just in a town. We've just shared Christ. They threw rocks at us. Okay? We finally stand back up and our first statement would be, I ain't going back there. Right? So he stands up and his first move is to go back to the city. The city that had just dragged him out for dead. It says that he went back in there. What was his reason for going? The obvious implied. It doesn't say it here, but he went back in to finish the message. And I can only tell you this. Imagine you're the Jews. Imagine you're those who threw the rocks. And you're like high-fiving and you're talking. Yeah, man, we totally got that. That guy's out of here. And dude, that guy looks kind of like him. Right? As he walks back into the city. And what is that guy doing? And then he starts out again. I'm telling you I'm still alive. And you better believe in Jesus Christ. Okay, maybe we should start listening. Do you know what I'm saying? It was a moment of authority for that city to be able to grasp what was happening with Paul. It says, and on the next day he went on. With Barnabas to Derby, he went to another local town. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, how many disciples? Many. many. We're talking lots and lots of people grasping the power of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for them. Many became followers. After that, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium. And to Antioch. Paul, are you thick? Like, are you not getting it, man? These are the towns that are throwing things at you. They're angry with you. They're No, Paul gets it. He absolutely grasps sacrificial service for Jesus Christ. It's, Lord, where do you want me to go? Then that's where I am. Lord, what do you want said? Then that's what will be said. That's what I'm doing. That's where I'm going. Your will, your way. May we love Jesus Christ and his church that much. That needs to be our prayer. Lord, may I be all about you and your kingdom. It's not about my comfort. It's about my king. Notice it says that he returned and he had some things to do, some ING words to back this up. What was he doing when he returned? Verse 22, he was strengthening the souls of the disciples. He was encouraging them to continue in their faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. He was strengthening and encouraging. He had something to say. He was building them up in their hope and their trust. And and he had something to say to them. His statement was Christianity. It's soft. It's easy. And it's, it's all about your comfort. And I trust me, it's going to be such a cakewalk. And 
That was not his message, right? The message was, hey, by tribulation, we will grow. Like I'm telling you, they will resist the message of the king. But we have a job to do. Be ready. God is calling you to represent. We have a chance to love him and to love his church sacrificially. Notice it says at the end here in verse 23, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church. What church? What are you talking about? The word church wasn't used yet, Tim. I saw the word disciple. I saw the word follower. I saw that there was messages. What church? You don't see disciples without a church. Okay? That's what happens in Acts. When you look in Acts, where there are followers, there is a church. Why is that? Because church means the called out ones. And so where there are called out ones, there are called out ones. Duh. Right? I'm telling you, we have to get this down. And this is a big deal. When we talk about the church, all too often we start thinking of brick and mortar or programs. We start thinking of VBS. And there's nothing wrong with those ministries, and they're great, and it's a big part of how we reach out. But that is an expression of the church. The church is you and me. The church is the followers of Jesus Christ. And so when we say there are disciples, then there is a church, period. And where there is a church, there needs to be some structure. And so he put elders over them. Welcome to our definition of the church a group of followers running hard after him and a group of elders that have been appointed to help lead and direct in making sure that he is worshiped with all we've got that's what we mean when we talk about the church may we love jesus christ may we love his followers may we love the church take a look left and right right here go ahead look left and right I know you're looking at the back of somebody's head because everybody looked the same direction, but that's what always happens. Look left, look right, right? Welcome to people who are following him. And some here might be saying, I'm not. I don't even know what you're talking about. Listen to the message we have today of what it should look like because I'm telling you all too often it's broken. And then we look at the broken stuff and we go, well, I don't want a piece of that. I don't blame you. Let's not go after the broken Let's go after what God planned it to be. The sacrificial love for him and for his followers. That's what we're called to be about. We're called to see God at work. We're called to see God moving. We're called to be amazed by it. And then we're called to love what's going on. I can tell you this. My wife and I, uh, I was an engineer for a long time. You all know that. And, and I worked for 17 years in engineering. And uh, we were part of churches that whole time and, and loved being a part of the church. We enjoyed it. Um, but I got to tell you, there was a moment where something changed. And we had started attending a church that was on fire. I mean, this church was growing and thriving, and we were excited about what was happening. And it turned out it was a Harvest Bible Chapel. Not that Harvest is the only church on fire, but it was. And, and we were attending a harvest up there, and all of a sudden, I started getting a vision for what God could really be doing. And this fake thing that whatever I was about before, like, man, I'm setting it down. I am so about this. 
And I, I was attending some seminary classes at the time, thinking in the next decade sometime I might go into the pastorate. And, and God said, decade? you got to be kidding. We're talking a year and a half. And, and so everything sped up. And as we're working there and serving there and attending there, just the more all in we became, the more in love we became with Jesus Christ and with his church. I'm telling you, when you hold back something, you miss out on something. It's the best way I can say it. Are you all in? I mean, are you all in? Willing to say, Lord, whatever it takes, I'm giving it. I'm laying it out there. I want to see you move in my life. I want to see you move in this place. I want to see you move in the people next to me. I want you so celebrated, I can't see straight. Lord, may you have all of me. And I got to tell you right now, Lord, I don't even know what I mean by that. And I'm pretty hesitant and I'm not sure how that's going to affect job and family. And and so I'm really kind of saying, break, hit the break, right? But at the same time, Lord, I'm ready to lay it out. May I love you and love your church. Are you loving him with all you got? It starts with obedience. Are you obeying him? Just the basics of what you know God's asking you to do. What is Jesus Christ calling you to do and are you doing it? And are you aligning with him? Are you ashamed to wear a t-shirt that says that you're a part of a church? Like if you had a t-shirt that said Harvest Bible Chapel, would you wear it? Or are you like, oh, I don't want people to know I'm a part of any one specific. I don't want them thinking I'm a part of. Are we ashamed or are we excited about what he's doing in our lives and willing to share it? That's our first call. Attitude of the church, Lord, may I love you and may I love your called out ones sacrificially, ready to put it all on the line. Number two, second prayer. Lord, help me to know when you are calling me to leave a local church. Help me to know when you are calling me to leave a local church. I just want to make sure that we take time on this point. It's a pretty big deal. A lot of us have experienced this recently. And let's make sure we talk through it a little bit. All right? Help me to know when you're calling me to leave a local church. So let's just start in verse 24. It says, Then they've passed through Pisidia. There was a church there. And came to Pamphylia. And there was a church there. And they're walking through these places. And they're a part of it with them. And they're celebrating with them. But they're moving on. It says, and when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. Moving on. Paul and his crew are there for a short season, and they're a part of the church, and they're celebrating, and they're helping bring disciples to follow him, but they do move on. It says, and from there, they sailed to Antioch. This is not the same Antioch that threw stones at them. That one they could have gone to by foot. This Antioch is the one that sent them out. How do you know that, Tim? Well, let's read the next phrase says where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. This is the church that sent them out saying, go bring the word to the nations and we're backing you. This was the start of the missionary journey. It actually started in Acts chapter 13 verses one through three. This is that Antioch as they're referring, returning back. They're returning to their sending church. In verse 27, it says, And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. They declared God's handiwork. They didn't get back and go, 
I had people throw stones at me. That's not what they did. They got back and they said, you wouldn't believe who came to know him. It was the Gentiles. And these guys are like, no. Like, yes, the Gentiles. Come on. I'm serious, man. I'm sharing who Jesus Christ is. And all of a sudden, Joe Gentile standing next to me is like, well, dude, I'll follow him. And I'm like, I don't think, are you serious? Yeah, I'll follow him. Then you're in. And, and the Gentiles are following him now. We have people following him from all the nations. I'm telling you, God's handiwork. Check this out. Abraham was promised that the nations would be blessed through him. And now, through him and his descendants, Jesus Christ is born. And he ends up providing for us a replacement payment. And now the nations are coming to him. God's promises are being fulfilled, you guys. And we're watching it happen in our time. That's what was being shared with the church at Antioch. You were part of it as you sent us out. Now notice what he says right after it. He declared that all that God had done, and it says, and how he had opened a door of faith. I love this phrase, opened a door. You hear me say it a lot. Closed doors and open doors. You want to pray for God's leading in your life? Pray for closed doors and open doors. Open doors, you know, like places you're able to go now. This was made available to me. Closed doors. Can't go there. I wanted to head there, but they would not take me there, right? I wanted that job, but they did not hire me. I wanted that house, but it sold out from underneath us and somebody else got it. I, you know what I'm talking about? The closed doors of life. I applied for that school. They wouldn't accept me. A closed door is a great lead from God. I can guarantee you that where God has closed the door, he doesn't want you there. That's a nice lead, isn't it? So at least when you get a closed door, you're like, I know I'm not supposed to be there, right? I actually get more angst when I have five open doors. Great. Now which one? And I'm starting to look at and try to figure out. So thank you, Lord, for the closed doors. But here there was an open door to faith with the Gentiles, and he shared, and they accepted. It says... And they remained no little time with the disciples. Luke, the doctor, using the negatives, right? And they leave, they remained no little time. So what's no little time equal to? A long time. Okay? So they remained a long time. They were there and they hung out together and they talked together and they laughed together and they prayed together and they cried together and they celebrated together all that God was doing. They remained no little time. But note this. There was a time where they did move on. They did leave and move to the next ministry that God had called them to. I think it's really important to note that when you look at Paul and you look at what's going on, Paul did leave many, 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 many local churches. He helped come in. He helped establish. And many times he came back to help strengthen and encourage. But he did move on. Why? Because he was called to a ministry in another place. It's absolutely essential that we understand there are times where we might be called to a ministry. Give me an example of that in our world, Tim. Jeff Schwartz and Traub in Denver, right? We just sent out a group of people last year to Denver to help plant a church, and they left this local church, and they're dear friends of ours. And when we get out there and we see them on a Saturday night, and there's hugs, and people are looking at us at P.F. Chang's like, what is going on over there? And and everybody's giving hugs and laughing and high-fiving and talking about things. And it's relationships that... Yeah, they're extended extra distance now because they have moved on. Ministry is a great reason 
to be stepping out as God calls you to a new place. A little newsflash on the side. Oftentimes we label it ministry when we're really ticked at somebody. That would not be the same thing, right? When I'm upset, when I'm hurt, when I'm disappointed, when I'm mad, when I'm whatever phrase you want to put to that, then we try to say, I believe God's calling me elsewhere, right? That's not the same thing. Okay, let's be very careful about that. All right, so that said, I want to take a little bit of time to talk in this moment right here about leaving a church. So four reasons we must leave a church. Four reasons we must. We don't have a choice. We must on these, okay? Number one, God calls us to further ministry. God calls us to another place. I mean, if God's saying, I need you to go plant Denver, is that when we're supposed to say, no, I'm committed to my local church, I will not leave. I mean, God's calling, he's got a plan, he's asking us to move out. Absolutely listen to it. Acts, the whole book of Acts, is all centered on that one. We better grasp that. There are times where our dearest friends or family may be called to a ministry elsewhere, and we need to be supportive of that as they go. So that's number one. Duh, that's the obvious one, Tim. Great. Okay, number two. While they're teaching heresy. Romans chapter 16, verse 17, says that if they are teaching what is absolutely unbiblical, avoid them. Okay, that's the phrase. Avoid them. Now, there's responsibility to walk through and making it clear with leadership what you believe is heresy and why. And we'll talk about that responsibility in just a second. There is responsibility to make it clear. But where there is wrong teaching going on, it is to be avoided. Romans 16, verse 17. Okay? And there are a plethora of other passages on that, too, by the way. That's just one. Number three. The church is just not executing the basics of the church. They're not about it at all. Well, what are the basics, Tim? Well, here's some raw basics. Acts chapter 2 talks about the famous four, right? It talks about teaching and fellowship, communion and prayer from Acts chapter 2. If you're not seeing those, if you're not seeing teaching of the word, you're seeing teaching of magazine articles, you're seeing teaching of wonderful philosophical thoughts and it's nothing but speeches going on, they're missing out. They need to be teaching the word of God. Fellowship or communion or prayer, right? Those things need to be there. Matthew 28 talks about the fact there needs to be baptizing. That has to be a part of the church. It's not saying it has to be every week or every month, but there needs to be regular baptizing. We usually baptize twice a year. And we make sure that we do big celebration services around them. And we do them Sunday mornings. And we do them right here in the middle of the place. And it's like, let's lift up what God's doing and let's talk about the lives that are changed. Matthew 28 talks about baptizing and teaching. Matthew 18 talks about the fact that there needs to be church discipline. Did you know that? We need to be so passionate about Christ that we're passionate about his holiness. And we as elders have a responsibility to be walking people through holiness. That's what church discipline is. If you look at Matthew 18, verses 15 to 18, it just talks about a way to help walk people through change they need to go through. If a brother or sister sins, confront them one-on-one. It doesn't say if a brother or sister sins, talk about them. Talk about them with everybody else, but with them. It doesn't say that, right? Church discipline. It's go to them one-on-one and say, dude, you're hurting yourself. Let's talk about it a little bit. And I saw what's going down. And it's a love for them and a desire for them to be right with him. And if that doesn't work, then two on and, and then bringing it before the elders. And then finally the church making a decision. And that needs to be a part 
of the model of what's going on in the church. In the end, I'll throw this one out there. This is a little more subjective, so I want to be careful with it. But Acts chapter 2 talks about the fact that there was the teaching and the fellowship and the communion and the prayer. And it says that God was performing among them unbelievable miracles and there was awe. The sense of the Holy Spirit's presence, this amazing moment of God with us, like that needs to be a part of the church. How can we say we stand in the presence of God and we're bored? What just happened? I don't know how that happened, but it's definitely more human than divine. Do you know what I'm saying? And so we have to be careful. I, oh, I so want to be careful with this one because it's not about entertainment and it's, it's not about our walking out saying, wow, I felt really good about today. It's, it's just not about that feelings thing, but there does need to be a sense of God's presence. Amen. Okay. There does need to be a sense of God's presence. Amen. All right, and so no letters this week, right? I don't, I don't need any emails on you're trying to teach us to be sensationalistic. And No, I'm not at all. Please, it's not about the feelings and it's not about all that. But truly, we must be sensing God at work or we're missing something about the church, right? James McDonald's phrase would be this. The transcendence of God Almighty has been replaced by the relevance to other humanity. And we better be careful that our church doesn't become that. The almighty God and his transcendence is what we're here for that will bring awe. Okay? So that's a part of it. The church needs to be doing the basics. So number one was, hey, I might be called to further ministry. Number two, there's heresy being taught. Number three, the church needs to be doing the basics or we need to be stepping out. And number four, leadership is in sin and they will not repent. Leadership is in sin and they will not repent. Okay? Now, let me just throw a few notes on this. First of all, 1 Timothy 5, 19 and 20 is a great guideline. If you want to start with, how do I do this? 1 Timothy 5, starting at verse 19, is what you need to know. 19 and 20 say you need at least two witnesses. Do not be accusing you know, pastors and elders. and of, It's one guy going off half-cocked, not liking somebody and just accusing. It's, it's obvious. It's public. Others have seen it. There's multiple witnesses. Okay, Make sure you've got multiple witnesses to what you're talking about. And at the end of that same segment in 1 Timothy 5, it says, be patient, it will come out. Okay? All too often, we try to attack somebody for the sins of the heart. I I would recommend to you that that is not where you should go. All right, Jeremiah 17, it talks very clearly about the fact that we don't even know our own hearts. It's so deceitful, right? Jeremiah 17, 9. Can't even know our own heart, and yet we're claiming to know somebody else's. So here's the wrong statement. They're proud. They're judgmental. Right? Are you hearing the words? Those are like inside kind of decision-making things. Are you hearing that? And, and, and then you say, well, how do you know that? And they're like, well, because I wanted this knitting club. And they said no. Right? And you're like, well, how is that proud? Because they know it's a good thing. They just don't want to let me have control a little bit. Are you hearing it? See, it's not so much about pride. It's I want my way. And and we have to be careful with that. Okay? Don't judge the heart of man. Let it come out into external sins. Things like they're embezzling money. They took a million dollars from the church. They took five dollars from the church. I don't care how much they took. They took... Are you kidding me? Embezzling or lying or, or they're not teaching the word. They're in adultery. Are, are you hearing me? Are you seeing what's going on? There's these big overt external sins. They have huge fits of rage. 
that explode all over the place. And are you seeing it? Make sure that you're measuring when you're working with God here. You're looking at external sins that can be checked. We're not accusing of the heart. I'm telling you, the heart is fickle. And as much as we think we got their heart nailed, we actually don't even have our own heart nailed. And yet we're judging somebody else. Be careful on that. Okay. That's what I'd recommend. Why are you saying that, Tim? Well, because let's be honest. We have a lot of people in this church who have come from other churches, maybe in the last week, maybe in the last month or year or three years. And, and quite frankly, we need to make sure we're leaving well. We need to make sure we're leaving wisely. We need to make sure we're caring for it in a way that's absolutely God honoring. Those are four church, four, four reasons that we must leave a church. Okay. God calls us to. There's heresy being taught and they won't turn from it. Uh, the church is just not executing the basics. Uh, the leadership is in sin and won't turn. Okay. So is that it? Those are the only reasons I can leave a church then, Tim? Well, there are other reasons. Some, some may leaves. Okay. And, and I want to be careful. I don't want to spend a lot of time here. You know, uh, I got a new job. I had to move. It's about an hour and a half drive to church now. I, I feel like I should just separate from that local church. It's just too hard to be a part of it. Probably a wise move. You know what I'm saying? Like there are times that make sense or, hey, we just had our first child and this church that we're a part of has no children's ministry. Real example. My wife and I were in that spot. Our daughter made up the children's ministry for that segment. That was a time for us to be moving on and saying we're about making disciples and our child needs to make sure we've got a ministry for them as we go forward. Okay. And so we were stepping out. There are, there are times that make good, reasonable sense. No newsflash though. If you're moving from church to church to church and you're always in the reason of the May category, you're probably church shopping. You're probably buffet shopping and you probably need to stop and start settling down and saying, Lord, where do you have me to be so that I might grow with you? Okay, let's go after this together. That's a big deal. Let's make sure we're real careful. If you're leaving for a must leave, God bless you. We're with you. If you're leaving for a may leave, be careful. Make sure you're wise in it. Are you sure you're being called? Have you done this four times before? <laughs> then maybe you're not. Maybe you're jumping a little bit here and it's just all about something getting riled up inside. Let's be careful, okay? Well, I've decided that I should leave Tim and I'm absolutely confident I should. All right, let me just throw these out here real fast. A couple of lists that I've given you, I know, but this is a really important topic. So, so how do I leave well? How do I leave well? Step number one is pray. Pray for direction and pray big time. Pray a ton. Make sure God's giving you some real insight to what should be done. Step number two, care for the relationships around you. Care for those relationships. Sometimes it's forbearing. That word is in the Bible. Did you know that? It means put up with. She's weird. He's a little strange. I don't like the way he talks and thinks and I, his jokes kind of, right? Put up with. There's a part of it that's called for in the scripture. And then there's another part, the apologizing and the forgiving, making sure you're establishing right relationships with one another. Okay. Step number three, make sure there's a Matthew 18 challenge to the sin. Be clear in your communication. Hey, this is why I'm leaving. This is what's going on. If it's in the must leave category, you got to clear up and let them know what's concerning you. Okay. Not by talking on a megaphone to a bunch of other people, but by talking to the leader or leaders. 
And then number four is wait. Hang on. And let's see what God does. Give him some time. How much time? Pray. (laughs) Right? I'm going to leave that up to you. There's not. Scripture isn't clear on how much time and all that stuff. It really is you letting God lead you in that. And number five then is exit without divisiveness. Really be careful that you're not inviting 52 million other people to your pain. Come run with me. Right? Be careful of that. Make sure that you're doing this with God in you and you're doing what you feel you're called to do. Okay? Be very cautious with the leaving. This is what we mean when we leave well. You'll hear us say it a lot. Make sure you leave well. This is what we mean. Okay? It's careful. It's measured. It's prayerful. It's approaching leadership. It's clear about what's going on. And then it's taking that necessary step. All right? Clear enough? A lot to this. Is that clear enough? Okay. There's a lot to this, but we got to make sure we're clear on it. I want to tell you, I was reading this week, and I saw this phrase. I thought it was a good phrase just to kind of settle on this for this point. There are two types of experiences God delivers us to. Two types, okay? The first is a moving type of experience. He's saying, I want this to press you to move on. The other is a molding kind of experience. I want you to stay right where you are and remain under. I will grow you in that, okay? The moving experiences have to do with sin that will not stop, unholiness unleashed, ridiculousness going on, step out from under, I want you to move, okay? The molding types are the subjective decisions of what I would prefer, and and it just doesn't seem to be happening, and yet Romans 13, God places every leadership in charge, and if I rebel against, then I'm stepping out from under, right? Do you see what I'm saying? So we have to be a little bit careful here. Is it a moving experience or a molding experience? And there are times where God is saying, it is in the may category to step out, and I do want you to move. So you have some decisions to make and some prayers to go through. Okay, And I'm telling you, I know a lot of your stories. I've heard a lot of stories here. And I know you're in a good spot in making the decision you're making. So I'm praying for you every time I hear of somebody saying, I'm stepping out of a church. Please make sure it's a moving experience. Some of you might be going, I don't know if it is. I might need to get back and check with them. Then do that. Hey, if this is a church clearer and we have 50 or 100 people saying, I got to go back to another church and get right, then do that. Okay, that's where we need to be is doing things God's way carefully, methodically, prayerfully, him being honored. All right. There is a time to leave a local church. Lord, help me know when. And let me do it well. All right? Enough said? Okay. It's an essential point. I want to make sure we get it out there when we're talking about the church. So first, Lord, help me just love you and your church absolutely sacrificially. And Lord, then help me know when the time is to be here and to be moving on and to be wise about that. And may I be listening to you with all I've got. And Lord, may I not be on the run and may I be ready to be in for you and... So third one is, Lord, may I always worship you and speak of your wonderful works. Lord, may I always worship you and speak of your wonderful works. This third prayer is really important because it's the overarching statement to everything. Wherever I'm at and whatever's going on, may it all be about your glory. May it all be about your glory. Now check this out. We're in chapter 15, verse 1. Listen to this. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers... Really? What were they teaching them? Was it good stuff? Unless you are circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Okay. 
wrong teaching, right? This is horribly unbiblical. Now it's no longer about your faith. It's about faith and works tied together. And so the answer is, you know, like the big buzzer hitting. It's kind of fun to say it. Try it with me. Ready? Like that's what we need to be doing. Like the big, gruff, rough voice. Okay. Bring it out. Like you can't be soft on doctrine that's being taught wrongly. Okay. Well, how do you know that, Tim? Well, check out Paul's response. It says, and after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them. Uh, you've heard the Apostle Paul, right? And you've seen some of what he writes. Can you imagine a no small debate with him? I'm just saying, that bad boy had some heat to it. As they began to clarify what the role of the law was and what the role now of faith and grace is and how they play together. Okay. It says, in the midst of this battle, right, they're in the middle of all that, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and to the elders about this question. The church is like, you guys represent us and take this forward, okay? And so here they go. They're on a journey. They're leaving this place because of this ridiculous teaching and not grasping faith by grace and, and just not not getting it at all. And so they, they start walking out on their way and they're traveling and and so... Well, maybe the human thing would be to mutter. Can't believe they were thinking about that. What in the world were they doing with? How could they not understand that Christ is the absolute fulfillment of, right? And you're muttering and you're muttering. And so you get to the next church and you're like, let me tell you what heresy we've been hearing, right? And so here's what happens. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles. There's no discussion of this heresy. They get there and they're like, let me just tell you the story I've been kind of telling you guys before. And I've been telling it all over the place. The Gentiles are coming to salvation now. And they're explaining all that God is doing and bringing people to him. And more than the conversion of the Gentiles, it said, and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed in the church and the apostles and the elders. And they declared all that God had done with them. Are you hearing it? In the midst of massive heresy. Hey, the book of Galatians was written about this topic right at this time. But in the midst of it, what does Luke record is happening? A positive viewpoint towards God's moving in the church. Let me tell you about his works. Yeah, we got some human things that are going on. We're figuring that stuff out. But let me tell you what God is doing. Are you hearing it? Like how often do we talk about the church and we start talking about all the human things? Right? Should have seen what so-and-so was wearing. Just saying. You should have seen what they said. Do you know where they were eating? I heard that so and Oh my word, what are we doing? Right? Like, what are we supposed to be talking about? Have you heard how God moved in so-and-so's life this week? Did, they were telling me the story about how they were just rocked to the core and this change in their attitude. And I'm telling you, God is mo- Are you hearing it? We need to be the, a place of celebration of God at work. Do you know how many wet blankets it takes to put out a fire? One. Be careful. What are we doing with God's work in his church? And Paul's saying, I just was in awe of the miracles and the life change and and, and of people just falling on their knees and collapsing in tears and households coming to know him and disciple after disciple and church after church and elderships being placed over. Guys, I'm telling you, God's taking this world by storm. That was Paul's message. 
that needs to be our message too. What's God doing? As we talk about a VBS and hundreds and hundreds of kids and, and, and dozens of them making commitments or recommitments to Him and lots and lots of life and change and hope and may we constantly be looking at God's work and declaring it. May we even be experiencing it ourselves and saying, what's God doing in my life? And let me share that with you. Let me tell you this week, I'm going after dot, dot, dot. Because God has shown me this through his word. What a chance and a privilege for us to experience the very hands of the almighty touching us. That we could worship him and celebrate him and lift him up for all eternity. Our God is awesome. And he's worth celebrating. I'm telling you, I've heard a bunch of stories this week just talking with the kids and talking with the leaders at VBS. And um, one of my favorites was going out and playing in the game time with the kids. And you're hanging out with these little kids and you're just hearing them talk about their stories. And so what was fun this week? Oh, we heard all about this locust. And they were talking about different animals throughout the week. And you know what they do? And they're starting to tell me the stories and they're explaining it. And these little kids are grasping what God's doing in their life. And how he's alive and well and working. And we had 170 leaders, 168 leaders out there helping out, being a part of it. Like God's at work in this place. And we need to celebrate that. We need to be amazed with his handiwork and constantly be bringing that up. Amen? So here's my question for you What's God doing in your life? Like right now, this week, what's the big challenge? What's the big struggle? What's the big excitement? What's God doing? Let you ruminate on that for a minute. Okay. Kind of settle in on something that God's kind of challenging me with. Here's my request. Let's seek for him to make an impact right there. On that topic, that need in your life. God, rock me this week. Show me what you want to do. It might be a long time till it's fixed, but I'm ready to just see your hands moving. Lord, I'm ready to run with you. Let's be a body that celebrates the work of God in our lives. Amen. Hey, I'm telling you, I got a big one on my plate. And it started this week, and and there's some stuff that I'm coming to grips with, and things I got to be learning to adjust on how I handle and what I say, and like there's some things I'm dealing with, and it's starting this week, and I don't know what that means. It means I'm changing some big things in how I live life and think about life. I don't know what it means. Something big is coming down. Lord, I'm handing it over to you. Your handiwork. In my life. Look, we're not doing church just to do some Sunday gig. We're here that he might be worshipped. Amen? Amen? And we're here that his word might be alive in us. Amen? Amen? That's what we're going after. 
May we experience something maybe that we've never experienced before. And Lord, start it this week in my life. I'm ready to celebrate you with all I've got. You are awesome. Let's pray.